Major support for Out to Lunch is provided by the law firm of Jones Walker, established in 1937 with over 375 attorneys in offices throughout the U.S., providing a comprehensive range of services to a local, national, and international client base. JonesWalker.com. And by Shorten Associates, legal recruiters in Louisiana and Texas. From the French Press in downtown Lafayette, we're Out to Lunch with Christian Maida, publisher and editor of The Current. It's business, Acadiana style. Welcome to Out to Lunch. I'm Christian Mater. Family is a big deal in Acadiana, and that can be quite literally true. Family trees are large and deep-rooted, and that grounds a lot of us here. Uh, This area is known for having among the highest population retention in the nation, and that doesn't necessarily make being a teenager in Acadiana any easier. And defining who you are and who you want to be can be really challenging, all the more so perhaps as the community diversifies and what it means to be from Acadiana becomes more complex. Angst is angst wherever you are, and growing up in Acadiana can throw some unique challenges at you. Uh, There's a dark side to joie de vivre, and, and in that shadow, depression, anxiety, and alienation lurk for teenagers coming up in a thorny world. My guest, Roy Pettifees, helps high schoolers navigate all that as a professional counselor. At one time, Roy sought a career in the cloth, but left the seminary to work at St. Thomas More Catholic High School in Lafayette. He figured out quickly that he connected better with students one-on-one than at the whiteboard and made the career switch to faith-based counseling. He's an author, podcaster, and public speaker, and practices at Pax Renewal Counseling Center in Lafayette. Roy Pettifees, welcome to Out to Lunch. Hey, thanks for having me. Historically, um, Acadiana's unique culture has been that grounding force folks grow uh, grow up with here, and uh, that's come through tremendous effort over the decades to preserve and promote um, our Francophone heritage in the region. Uh, The effect has been powerful for our traditions, music, food, and art, but not necessarily for the French language. Speaking French natively is still waning, uh, observe my next guest, Lindsay Smythe, and there was a time when most of us had a native French speaker in our families, but that's not necessarily the case anymore, even as the broader culture has persevered. Lindsay has taught French and English in the public school system for over 15 years, and in 2021, she'll make the leap into running a brand new French immersion elementary school in Sunset, Ecole St. Landry. The program emphasizes dialect and conversation in its curriculum instead of harping on conjugation and grammar. The goal here is to teach kids a language in a way that allows them to express themselves, you know, to get on Twitter or Instagram and TikTok and play with French in the same way they do their native languages. The school will open with 100 kids. Lindsay Smythe, welcome to Out to Lunch. Hey, thanks for having me. Appreciate it. Yeah, Roy, I'd like to start with trends that you might observe as a clinician. And I, and I think we're broadly as a culture becoming more comfortable with the idea of talking about mental health. I'm not saying we don't have a ways to go. We certainly do. Uh, and getting counseling is something that's far more common than it used to be. Um, so I, I guess what that, that raises in my mind is this question of like, are teenagers dealing with more anxiety and depression than they used to, or is it that we have more clinicians out there identifying? Yeah, and that's a, we've done, we, I've read many longitudinal studies that, that would indicate we do have greater levels of anxiety for a whole bunch of different reasons. So in short, yes, they are dealing with greater stresses. Um, just in the world that they're growing up in is vastly different. It's changing more quickly. Um, than it's ever changed before. There was just a lot more stability. The pace of change when I was growing up in the 70s and 80s was just a lot slower um, than it is today. I mean, is that primarily a technological change? I mean, is the world just getting smaller and so people are... It's part of it. Um, the world of work has, has completely been obliterated. You know, when I was 
you know, and graduated from high school in 91, there was two, two paths, white collar and blue collar. Blue collar, get your ass offshore on an oil rig or, you know, do a trade, which my plumber makes three times more than me. I kind of regret my life decision there. Or white collar, you know, go to ULLSU. And now it's, um, now they're watching Dude Perfect, uh, these guys um, flip bottles, and it's more complex than that. What's and Dude Perfect? I don't know what Dude <laughs> yeah, Perfect is. Yeah, it's, well, the teens know. Um, yeah, I they're even bottle know. flippers. Yeah. yeah, they're just five guys from Texas who they just do, a lot do of, like, YouTube sports videos. videos. Sports um, videos, and it's, they make millions of dollars. And so it's literally in the kid's mind. Like, you know, I could start a blog on sheep, and Purina might pay me 100 grand a year. So but that's stress-inducing instead of, like, creating a sense of, like, oh, you could do whatever. I mean, it is because you get uh, choice paralysis. There's so many more options. You know, what I love about where the French press and I love the menu, like, there's 10 options for us. Thank God, because if there were 100, I'd still be looking at the damn thing. And the world of work presents them with almost unlimited options. So, Lindsay, uh, you know, French immersion has been around in the school system for some time, um, and... You know, so I find it kind of surprising to hear that, like, there's a sense maybe that people are losing that connection to the language specifically, right? Because, like, we put a lot of investment as a culture into doing that. So I guess that raises a question in my mind, like, is it that we're not, we're still not doing enough immersion? Or is it that the idea of French immersion itself is not the best vehicle for challenging that problem? Well, immersion is kind of like a tough, uh, it's, it's its own umbrella that we really should be considering. Um, and I think about, really, our culture and our heritage and our language in two facets. One, of course, for my high school students, which I've been around high school students now for um, 16, 17 years as a teacher. And then you're looking at our elementary immersion programs. Uh, most people, when they hear French immersion, they think, well, French immersion is something that everyone's doing. Um, once you put your child in French immersion, it continues until adulthood. But really, most of our immersion schools stop in the fifth grade. And so you're learning a lot about your, your heritage language. But I will also say we have a huge amount of people who are not joining French immersion for the language benefits. Well, let me rephrase, for the historical linguistic benefits. They're joining it because all the research shows that French immersion students have higher test scores. They have higher ACT scores. That We often use the expression they perform um, at or above the level of their non-immersion peers. And so that's a thing we say a lot. So parents, now as you said in the introduction, we have parents who they don't have a parent that spoke French. And our high school kids, when we really talk about me as being a high school French teacher, when I started six, seven years ago at Lafayette High, all the time I could say, okay, so who says things like, man, I got the envy for a snow cone, or, <laughs> or I can talk to them about getting down and how in French we actually say, you know, descendre de voiture, like get down the char. And so all of those things that we think about that we said growing up in Acadiana, because of, not dude perfect, but because of really us having a global, um, you know, the, the internet is globalized, right? And so we're getting influx from all of these other places. And our kids just aren't the kids that we were growing up in Acadiana. And I'm not blaming the internet, but I'm blaming the internet, right? And so uh, it's just they're not quite what we were because so much has now, like the world is small now. And, uh, and, and, and we can talk about their future careers. I can talk about my own students, yeah. um, you know, what, what we were talking about earlier as well. But, yes, yeah, so that heritage just isn't quite what, what we used to think it was. Is it, you know, this is 
allegedly a business show. And so something that, that comes up, right, is the idea that if you teach people to do, you know, say French, right? Like in French, you used to be the lingua franca of the world. That was a long time ago. But like, you know, so maybe Spanish or Chinese or, or you know, I guess Mandarin more specifically might be more you know, applicable beneficial useful right. languages. I mean, I'm surely parents, especially like if you're starting a new school and you're kind of trying to convince, look, this is a valuable thing for you to do regardless. I mean, what do you say to the idea that like, you know, teaching a kid French, sure, that has cultural value, but that's not as useful as learning. It's not as useful. It's definitely the way that we used to make those connections. Uh, you know, immersion students used to when we started in the 1980s, they wanted to go speak French with their grandparents. And now with, without that, having that connection, why are they joining? Same reason we just talked about. But, um, I tell parents, because they often say like, ooh, sorry, you're a French teacher. I told my kid to take Spanish. Okay, I'm totally into that. I'm into your child knowing a second language. I'm into those, uh, those synapses firing in different levels. Um, now, specifically, actually, somebody asked me when we were getting approved for our school, um, so tell me why you didn't choose Spanish immersion as your model, considering how many people speak Spanish. And my answer, honestly, simply was, I don't speak Spanish. Right. And so because I understand French immersion, yeah. so that's where we're going with this. But I am not here to say that Spanish immersion is a bad idea because um, Mandarin, of course, millions of people. I don't know how many people, billions, whatever, speak, speak Mandarin. And then uh, the Spanish speakers are next. Now, if you want, I tell my students this, if you want the most uh, stamps on your passport, French is the way to go. Because actually more countries speak French than any other countries worldwide. Uh, if you think about Northern Africa, the entire, you know, Northwestern part of, of Africa, all of those countries speak French because of colonization. But um, so it really depends on what you want to do with that, with that French. So that kind of brings this to my mind, Roy, which is that, you know, there's a tremendous amount of pressure that we put on teenagers to figure those things out, right? Like, don't just go and learn this because it's a valuable thing to do. You need to learn this language so you can get that job, right? You talk about maybe earlier on it was white collar, blue collar, but now it's like that drive that parents put in their kids to excel. I mean, I guess I'm curious, like how that's changed or impacted what you see in, in kids today? Like the extent to which that, that what's really making them stressed out, right, is the idea that their parents are like, you gotta make something yourself, and that's very different than the way we talked about it even 40 years ago. Yeah, and, and so that's a multi-level um, uh, problem, you know, because you've got, and so let's start with the ex how much more expensive it is to go to UL than it was for me to go to USL. And so now it's, it's the parents are looking at it as a return on their investment. What do you mean you want to go study art? What do you mean you want to go to Georgia and study at Savannah College of Art and Design? You know, that's 200 grand. Like, um, how are you going to make that as an art teacher? You're, you're not, you know. And so it's, um, what do you mean you want to be a teacher? Um, you know, my wife and I, we're both teachers. She's still, a, well, she's not a teacher anymore, but she was a virtual teacher. Um, and, and it's, they're looking, so they're putting pressure um, because it's so much more expensive. And it just wasn't as expensive to go to school. And so when Gen Z and even the millennials were, were harping on it saying, hey, it's not the college you went to. So that's a, that's a factor. Um, and it does put pressure on, on kids who don't want to take the traditional routes, who don't want to be a lawyer or a doctor or, or even a tradesman. Maybe they want to be an artist. Maybe they want to do something more artistic. Um, maybe they want to study English and maybe they just, you know, want to study. And the world that, that, that they're in is just not conducive for that. And it puts a, 
tremendous amount of stress. And I'll even add that um, the pressure of those students is something that I've seen a huge shift in um, as well. Um, for the people that are listening that went to high school, yet they're not really familiar with what's happening in high schools now, is you no longer graduate. Um, you don't start just as a freshman and then just finish up your credentials, and then you apply to college if you have the good grades. Um, we now have two pathways. One pathway is called Jumpstart, and that pathway from freshman year you are not planning on going to university end of story. And so you take more career ready classes. And then the other pathway is our TOPS curriculum. So our TOPS curriculum, which anybody that started uh, college or graduated high school, I was the first year of TOPS in 1998. But that TOPS curriculum is more your college ready classes. But what happens is if you decide midway through high school that you'd like to maybe change your mind, it's really hard now. It's really hard to go the, to the other pathway. And if you decide as a junior, like, you know what, wait a minute, I've decided I know my calling and I'd like to now go the tops route, it's probably too late. And what, of course, what they do in Europe is they decide in the eighth grade, sometimes in the sixth grade, which route you're going. But it's usually based off of that, you know, what people see your aptitudes are for, but again, they're young making those decisions. But here, it's almost like you can't change your mind. You can still graduate with TOPS curriculum and not go to college. No one's forcing you to go to college. But then we have these kids who say, well, I have to take every AP class to get into a good college, or I have to take dual enrollment to get into these good college. And the stressors, I mean, people who are choosing to not take French 3, for example, even though they love French, because they really need to take that AP whatever class that's only offered at whatever time. And so really kind of our standardized tests, don't even get me started on how terrible that is for, the, for, for them making these decisions. Um, it's really just so, so much that they're having to consider at, a, at really this pressure that we never had to think about when we were their age. And on top of that, the internet telling them how to live, how to dress, yeah. how to act. Mm -hmm. and, and you see that every single day. Someone you know, just kind of making this decision based off of what they think is the right decision, but it's really other people making that decision for them. Creativity and, you know, these options of, of what they could do. And tell that to a teenager. Oh, they'll, yeah. They'll, like, roll their eyes right. and, like, whip of course. on you. Of course. Yeah. And, 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 again, that's prefrontal cortex, right? It's still trying to figure its life out. So you're always trying to really work with them, trying to, trying to help them see that it's not all, everything isn't important right now. But how do you tell them that? And then that's all they see and that's all they feel. It's really tough. You're listening to Out to Lunch. I'm Christian Mader. I'm talking with French Emergent teacher Lindsay Smythe and counselor Roy Pettifees of the PAX Renewal Center. How do you navigate that with kids, Roy? I mean, like if somebody, especially like I'm getting the sense that somebody could be put on a path that sounds like very young, it's just sort of like, well, this is, this is you. I mean, that could seem to create a kind of a cognitive dissonance in your mind if you chose the wrong path. I mean... How does this, I guess, how, how does this actually get expressed and then what do you do with it? Right, and I chose multiple wrong paths that <laughs> all have yeah. led me to the right path. So yeah. I'm very, it's a warm bubble bath of water for me to sit with these kids. And for me, it starts with, so I had lots and lots of time without the internet to really think about on my own, what does it mean to be successful, right? What am I good at? Like the world of work is, for these kids, is really, their career boils down to four things. What are you good at? What do other people think you're good at? Um, what do you like to do? And is there someone willing to pay you for it? Right? So, and, and then a subtle fifth, do you have the work ethic? Right? Do you have the work ethic? Do you have the drive? Do you have a chip on your shoulder? Um, what's pulling you forward or pushing you forward? Um, but, but I see young people today, they're trying to be successful, but, but 
it, not, it's not that they don't know, but it changes so rapidly because of the different influences that they're absorbing on the internet. Um, TikTok, you know, Snapchat, you know, YouTube. It's, it's very difficult for them to have any sort of stability in that. Some kids do, but for kids whose executive functioning where they struggle, those are the kids who got smashed during COVID, right? The online learning, those kids got hammered. Executive function, the ability to prioritize, to plan, to organize things. All of that is a prefrontal cortex, as um, she just mentioned, and it's, when that's delayed in kids, they're really, really, really going to struggle. And so those kids really get a, get a late start. Right. And I mean, and in Lafayette Parish, we were, um, we were hybrid for high school all year. K-5 was in person every day. And so you're seeing really the, 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 the shift in, you know, what kids, you know, where they can be ready to perform, um, being self-starters every day because mm-hmm. every other day they had to be in charge of their own learning yeah. and which no no it doesn't matter your age even as adults like if someone told me that you're taking completely online classes and it would still be tough for me and here we are yeah, we COVID right. threw them a, a giant loop on top of that and then they're around their devices more than ever and getting uh, that like on that, you know, on that post that they made is even more important than ever because that, of course, that quantifies and justifies their worth as a teenager, which is, a, you know, it's just that so many things that we don't have to deal with uh, that we didn't have to deal with at their age. And that's something that I'm always reminding myself as a teacher that just because I wouldn't delete that post because only one person liked it, like that doesn't that's me as someone who's had a whole lot of years of experience to figure that out. And you can just see all of the different things that are just, you know, coming at them in different ways. It's not just academics. It's not just, it's not just social media. Um, And now they're isolated, right? They're they're so isolated. They're masked up. It's, it's been a really, really difficult. Everyone was worried about teens when we shut down in March. Teens were fine, especially the kids with social anxiety. They're like, awesome, two-month vacation. But the doo-doo really hit the fan in September. And then in October is when we started seeing their mental health really bottom out um, because they, they're just isolated. Things were different. Um, it was a lot harder. They were quarantined and pulled out. There wasn't any stability in Right, rhythm. and like even our freshmen, um, here they are at a brand new school. Lafayette High, of course, is where, where I am. It's a, a very large school, and they're at a brand new environment where only their eyes are shown. We also, I don't know if people know this, but in Lafayette Parish, our high school students don't eat lunch outside of class. We actually, I eat lunch with my fifth hour class. So they don't know anybody in the room. They're just sitting there and they can, they're allowed to have their phones. So it's a silent 30 minutes where kids are just scrolling on their phones and ignoring each other because they can't go outside with their actual friends. And of course my freshmen haven't even made friends. So it's been, it's been a tough year, you know, it really has. So with all these wrinkles sort of in the school system, Right, yeah. and, and the and the things that get and this is of course kids. not knocking our mitigation efforts for COVID. Right? Sure, I, 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 I should I should make noted. I should make that clear. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, <laughs> to indeed. the people that pay my, pay my bills. But you're but you're in a position <laughs> now, right, where you're you're starting a school where mm-hmm. you get to define the the, right. the rules right. of the road. So, the, like with all that in mind, I mean, how are you? Right. How, how does that influence your curriculum or sure. or the, the, the? I I I am lucky because this new school will be a French immersion elementary. So very few of and we only start with kindergarten and first grade. So. 
hopefully no child will show up with a, with a phone in their hand, but there is a big, has been a big movement that uh, it's going to be something that I'm going to try to implement in my older grades as they get older, is uh, there's this movement about keeping um, smartphones out of the hands of students till the eighth grade. I think it's called wait something till like, it, wait, till wait till eight, thank you. It's called wait till eight. And it's really just ensuring that, you know, they, they get some time to be creative and play outside and, you know, go to their friend's house instead of, you know, doing something else. So, you know, little initiatives like that, but, um, but really what I think would just be something for incredible for, for any kid our age is just for us. And again, not to like blame the, the, the testing or whatever, but it's like, we're so, we're so forced as teachers to teach what this, this end of the year assessment is that things like questioning and, um, thinking outside the box, because there's, there is a box in these tests. The box is very real and they have to stay in it. And so things like wondering if this idea is a bad idea or if this this particular thing they're reading just really doesn't make a whole lot of sense. They just want to know the answer. Yeah. And I think that there's so much in our world with, with our kiddos that it's just like, just tell me the answer because when there's a right answer, I'm going to get it right. Yeah. And so there's really none of that like failure. And, and so what do we do? I think we just keep trying to push our kids to be, to be bigger thinkers. And that's something that, of course, I'm going to try to work with the curriculum with our own teachers um, at my school. But what's great is most of our teachers are going to be foreign teachers that are not used to these standardized tests. And they might not feel quite that pressure. Because, again, trying to find a French-speaking elementary, certified elementary teacher is pretty tough. That's why nearly all of our immersion schools hire foreign teachers. And so really, um, they're going to probably have that mentality of like questioning and, and play. But again, kids, they're all the same. The problem is, is we eventually push them into those things. The adults are the problem, <laughs> you know? So how do we do? We just, we just open it up and we just do what we can to make them feel heard and, and to keep, uh, the, that questioning and that, that imagination rolling. Um, because I'll tell you something, when we get those kids, it's really, really something in class when you're like, ooh, I, 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 see, you're, I see you, kid. I see, I see that you're not, you're not feeling forced to be this person. So, it's, it's, I mean, I feel like when I was in high school, we did the term helicopter parent was around. It's like, to some extent, you're kind of referencing that. Sure, sure, sure. Have we reached another elevation? Yeah, I mean, absolutely. It's what the lawnmower it? parent. The lawnmower parent. And, and it. it's, it's, you know, there's a phenomenal book that every parent should read called The Gift of Failure by Jessica Leahy. Um, that needs that is the parenting staple today and we're really crippling kids um, and we see it which is why the highest suicide rate is for college freshmen because parents have been able to mow all the obstacles out of the way and when they get to college their professor doesn't give a flying shit about their parent you know I'm not talking to your mom and dad what are you talking about you failed like come on learn how to deal with it and and it's crushing and so parents do that they they prevent failure to the point where Last year, one of my son's teachers emailed me, and I could tell that this poor, this was a veteran teacher, but she was emailing, she was firing a shot over the bow just to cover her butt and just saying, hey, I'm just letting you know, this is what we're doing. If you guys have any questions, please feel free to email me. I responded back, um, dear Miss So-and-so, I will never email you. My son can function just fine nor do I want to know what you're doing in class. Um, he's 16 years old. That's his responsibility. But the, the, so you've got helicoptering and the lawnmower parenting. Now, all that being said, I've spent the last seven years traveling all across North America saying that message, and yet this year 
that was more necessary. So I'm talking out of both sides of my mouth, but parents really had but to jump almost, in. They had to be, though. In their they parents, had to be. They had to. they had to be. We did. I mean, I, we were so hands-off until this year where we just had to be a little more hands-on and help them, help them figure it out. But it's, it causes... That what, what kids don't get by overcoming failure is self-efficacy. There's a, there's a belief that when you fail and you overcome it with help, you know, scaffolding help as you get older, that I can do what, what I think I can do. And now we've got a lot of college kids who really don't know, you know, and that's, that's anxiety provoking and depressing. So you enter this environment where parents operate this way, and it sounds like you have opinions about that. Oh, gosh. Okay, so like, how do you create a school in this environment? I mean, both like financially, I mean, you, I guess at some level you have to be able to say there's going to be a demand for what I'm selling, for lack of a better word. I mean, so, so what do you go to parents? I mean, are you, are you really up front? You're saying like lawnmower parents need not apply? I mean, what do not we do? Not at all, because um, unfortunately there's so many of them. And I say this, and I should be clear, I don't have children. So if somebody <laughs> wants to send me an email and like, B, you don't even know what you're talking about. I, I understand that that is the case. Um, but considering I've taught nearly, I think I did the math one time, over 3,000 students in my life. Like, I feel like I've, I could at least speak a little bit. Um, so no, it's not that. They all, all people should apply. In fact, not only is it our helicopter parents, but it's our parents working three and four jobs. It's our single parents. It's, it's anybody really who just wants, at least in my school specifically, I say this a lot, who just wants a different educational option for their child. You know, if you want all the great things that come with immersion and learning a second language, by all means, we'll take you. If we're closer to your house, and that seems like a really good way because you have several jobs, we'll take you. So, but, so it's really keeping that conversation and dialogue open, having such a small uh, group our first year, because we're only again starting in K and first grade, I'm gonna be able to kind of start cultivating those relationships with our parents. And you know, if you have a strong group of parents that want the right thing, I'll take a helicopter parent if at the end of the day we're, we're still doing the best that we can do to work together. I have, and I have taught the helicopters, the lawnmowers, the hands-offs, I've taught them all. And really it's just somewhere in the middle where we can just say, what's best for your child and what are we doing collectively that are hindering that that child or that's pushing them forward you know because we've all received as teachers any teacher knows this you get that email that's like my child said and then you have the parents that said but i always are on the side of i'm always on the side of the teacher and then you have the other ones that are like um dot 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 this is what he said and i think that you need to dot dot it is not easy being a teacher it really isn't and um but there's something I'm going to call it trauma for my days. I'm just going to call it trauma. <laughs> right. But there's so few and inst- I could even tell you each of the times that this has happened. There is something so magical about being a teacher if it's the job for you that I would not give it up for anything. I've done this a long time and there is something about really playing a part in a child's life, especially these high school kids who they're going home to alcoholic parents, they're going home to parents who are verbally abusive, physically abusive, and some of them go home to great homes. But really when you can be that little piece of a kid's life, there's nothing better to knowing that you help to raise them even, yes, if you don't have kids of your own. And I think that we're, it takes a village, right? So we're just all doing the best we can to, to raise that village. So, look, I mean, obviously it's, you know, to the extent things have gotten more complicated for kids, <laughs> it's obviously gotten more complicated for the people who work with kids. And, and it's, it's great to hear from two people that 
obviously take that charge very seriously and, and have found a way to navigate that and, and, and are great resources for the kids that are dealing with, you know, the thorny situations. So Roy and Lindsay, um, it was great having you both on the show. Thanks for joining me on Out to Lunch with Katie Anna. Thanks so much. Thank you. It's been great. My guests on Out to Lunch at Katie Anna today have been Counselor Roy Pettifees and Lindsay Smythe of A. Cole St. Landry. We edited this show to fit into the time slot here on KRBS, and you can hear more of our unedited conversation and find out more about Lindsay and Roy and what they do by listening to the Out to Lunch Acadiana podcast, which you can find anywhere you get podcasts. If you want to know what we look like, you can find photos of this show uh, on itsacadiana.com and on our social media. These photos were taken by Lucius Fotno, and you can find more of his work at lafphoto.com. Out to Lunch is taped at the French Press in downtown Lafayette, and Out to Lunch is also a production of INO Broadcasting for itsacadiana.com and KRBS 88.7 FM. The producer of our show is Grant Morris. Our technical producer is Eric Merle. Today's show is engineered by Kieran McIntosh. And our associate producers are Molly Richard and Jan Risher. Our researcher is Christine Banowitz. I'm Christian Mater. I'm editor of The Current, Lafayette's nonprofit source for local news. And to find out more about what matters in Lafayette, head over to thecurrentla.com and sign up for our newsletter. Till then, I'll see you again next time around our lunch table for more business Acadiana style on Out to Lunch Acadiana. Bye-bye. Major support for Out to Lunch is provided by the law firm of Jones Walker, established in 1937 with over 375 attorneys in offices throughout the U.S., providing a comprehensive range of services to a local, national, and international client base. JonesWalker.com. And by Shorten Associates, legal recruiters in Louisiana and Texas. Mitchell Foreman wrote and performs all the music on Out to Lunch. You can hear Mitchell's music anywhere great jazz is sold or streamed and at MitchellForeman.com.